0: This is Music Ed Amplified. Well, hello there. Happy December, you wonderful, brilliant music educators. I'm thankful for you and grateful that you are spending time here on the Music Ed Amplified podcast. A place to hear about the real life of a music teacher as well as to learn about my own journey to become an anti-racist anti-bias anti-ableist human being and practitioner to that end in what we call a jedi moment for justice equity diversity and inclusion i'd like to share something with you last year i heard a challenge for those people who are already spending time reading books about hardships, injustices, and pain faced by BIPOC and disabled people. The challenge was to also look for books written by these people, specifically books of fiction and poetry. Since I love books, this was no hardship, although time, of course, is always the enemy of my large stack of books to read. Anyway, every once in a while, I would like to share about any of these books here on the podcast in hopes that you will check them out as well, or at least be inspired to find titles that will resonate with you. The book I'd like to talk about today is called There, There by author Tommy Orange, an enrolled member of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes of Oklahoma. It is intense, painful, it has moments of beauty, and is often hard to read but it has been a revelation to me, someone who was taught an incomplete and even false history of First Nations people. And I don't say this because it corrects the historical record. In this case, I'm saying it because so many times I personally make the egregious mistake of not thinking about Native people in the present tense, and or I don't stretch my thinking beyond How awful that we just came in and took their land and kicked them out. That must have been so terrible. This gripping book is forcing me to confront the fact that Native people were here, have been here, and are here living life every day just like anyone else. I don't know why I need to be reminded of that, but I do. And that they, as a people, are constantly, through multiple generations, forced to deal with the painful consequences and fallout of what was done to them, while also trying to work their way out of that and make a beautiful path forward. The book tells the story from the point of view of 12 different characters, all of whom are traveling to the big Oakland powwow in California. It is multi generational, full of memory. Questions of identity, beauty, violence, and despair. I want to read you one of the many sections that I highlighted because it is potent and I just want to share it with someone. It comes from the interlude chapter almost exactly halfway through the book, and I'd like to read it straight through. So here I go The wound that was made when white people came and took all that they took has never healed. An unattended wound gets infected, becomes a new kind of wound, like the history of what actually happened became a new kind of history. All these stories that we haven't been telling all this time, that we haven't been listening to, are just part of what we need to heal. Not that we're broken, and don't make the mistake of calling us resilient. To not have been destroyed, to not have given up, to have survived, is no badge of honor. Would you call an attempted murder victim resilient? When we go to tell our stories, people think we want it to have gone different. People want to say things like, sore losers, and move on already. Quit playing the blame game. But is it a game? Only those who have lost as much as we have see the particularly nasty slice of smile on someone who thinks they're winning when they say, get over it. This is the thing. If you have the option to not think about or even consider history, whether you learned it right or not, or whether it even deserves consideration, that's how you know you're on board the ship that serves hors d'oeuvres and fluffs your pillows, while others are out at sea, swimming or drowning, or clinging to little inflatable rafts that they have to take turns keeping inflated. People short of breath, who've never even heard of the words hors d'oeuvres or fluff. Then someone from up on the yacht says, It's too bad those people down there are lazy and not as smart and able as we are up here. We who have built these strong, large, stylish boats ourselves. We who float the seven seas like kings. And then someone else on board says something like, But your father gave you this yacht and these are his servants who brought the hors d'oeuvres, at which point that person gets tossed overboard by a group of hired thugs who'd been hired by the father who owned the yacht, hired for the express purpose of removing any and all agitators on the yacht to keep them from making unnecessary waves or even referencing the father or the yacht itself. Meanwhile, the man thrown overboard begs for his life, and the people on the small inflatable rafts can't get to him soon enough, or they don't even try, and the yacht's speed and weight cause an undertow. Then in whispers, while the agitator gets sucked under the yacht, private agreements are made, precautions are measured out, and everyone quietly agrees to keep on quietly agreeing to the implied rule of law and to not think about what just happened." Soon, the father who put these things in place is only spoken of in the form of lore, stories told to children at night, under the stars, at which point there are suddenly several fathers, noble, wise forefathers, and the boat sails on unfettered. If you were fortunate enough to be born into a family whose ancestors directly benefited from genocide and or slavery, maybe you think the more you don't know, the more innocent you stay which is a good incentive to not find out, to not look too deep, to walk carefully around the sleeping tiger. Look no further than your last name. Follow it back, and you might find your line paved with gold or beset with traps. So, I don't know that there's much I could or should say to follow that. It's such powerful prose, just packed with meaning and expression. And it's only one example of what happens several times throughout the book. I am and have always been a believer in the power of stories. And this book is worth it just for the perspective it gives me that I would never have had otherwise. But beyond that, it's really just a fantastic book. I can't recommend it more highly. Taylor Curlew is a teacher just a few years into her career. I met her a few years ago when she took conversational solfege with me and then immediately followed that a few months later with First Steps. She is a wonderful singer and just an absolutely lovely human being. And, like many people, had been struggling with implementing conversational solfege in her classroom. Now, before we keep going, if you want to learn more about Taylor, and you should... Head to our episode webpage to read more about her. Right before COVID struck, Taylor and I were talking, and she shared a list of questions she had about conversational soulfish. after trying it in her classroom for the first time. Over three podcast episodes, we went through the list of Taylor's conversational soulfish questions pretty comprehensively. I invited Taylor to come to Music at Amplified to catch up and see how things are going for her now. Not just with trying to implement conversational solfege, but with the huge imposition of COVID, I know that we have all dealt with similar challenges, whether we use conversational solfege or not. So let's get to it and see how Taylor is doing. Taylor Curlew, welcome to this new podcast. I was thinking about it. You, you and I, you and I have done uh, podcast episodes before. That was on the old podcast. This is your first time on Music Ed Amplified. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited. excited Pre-COVID we did it. That's right. I thought you said free COVID. Oh, I mean. (laughs) Free COVID, everyone. Um, (laughs) Who wants it? Oh, yeah. Um, Speaking of that, I just got my booster shot um, three (gasps) hours ago.
1: Oh, my gosh. I think
0: I did see that. I was like, oh, gosh. Missy is a Crashing down. So, no. Yep. With the first two shots, I was completely fine. So just look, my arm hurt. So the last time we spoke, uh, I mean, we, well, we have spoken since then, but I mean, yeah. on the podcast <laughs> was February in 2020. Two important things happened in February of 2020 besides us speaking. Number one, I had my voice surgery. Yes.
1: Which you means did. that's
0: almost two years ago. Crazy. And you sound amazing. Well, uh, it didn't work. But we that's okay. That's no okay. one heard that. I love I live for voice surgeries. So I just look forward to the next one. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> so that's the one thing. And the second thing is uh that was our last month of freedom before the lockdown. Yeah.
1: Freedom, no free COVID, just freedom in February. Right? right.
0: Who knew? Exactly. Um, uh, You and I talked, and it went over three episodes, which, and this is the truth, it's one of the most remarked on set of episodes that I've done. And, you know, it goes to show you that you are not alone. Many people struggling with uh you know how to implement conversational soul and feel like you know enough mastery where they could just you know move forward without every every little thing stopping them right absolutely so we did that series um and what's funny is you know the intention was when we first like talked about it it's like oh it'd be so cool you know like you could do a little bit in the rest of this year and then next year you could kind of plow in like okay
1: i was I'm so ready. ready to go
0: and then the world stopped
1: my gosh
0: and it's so, so true. did you do any conversational solfege during last year of uh, virtual and what did you do last year were you all virtual what was it
1: yeah okay so first of all that podcast recording everyone was like monumental because i really was i told missy and i'm not i just to sidetrack a second i was not in I kind of was embarrassed because, like, am I the only one? Like, and sure. she was like, "No, no, no!" Like, nope. I promise you, people are gonna come out of the woodwork and be like, "Thank mm-hmm. you so much for this podcast," Absolutely. and I listen to it on repeat, like even my <laughs> like virtually. And I was like, "This is my music" because I really just feel like it helped me my like structure my brain, hmm. and so that was just like the best. But um, so. Props to all of those things. (laughs) And and And, by
0: the way, congratulations on being, was it your district or something else also? Their district's teacher
1: of the year. Thank you. So, our district is so we have four elementary schools, middle school, high school. So, there's six. Um, So, the parents actually write a letter or vote. Oh, awesome. And then the teachers vote. So, the parents put in the recommendation and then the teachers vote. So, I was like, I'm what? I was very humbled and very grateful um, to be part of that group um, in such a crazy time. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, especially as a music teacher, there's actually two music teachers of the year, which is awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah. Well, um, congratulations. And I don't want to say you. it's because you were on the podcast, but I the mean, timing was kind of well, a little bit... Right, and actually, that 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 podcast and that whole thing that we did, I was actually able to market that in terms of like, hey, this is what I've been doing. This is who Missy Strong, Doctor Strong, is who's oh. helping me, right? In in that sense, in my district, because a lot yeah. of the parents, they. They're very music hungry in my district, piano, voice, all that stuff. I have a that's lot great. of like culturally, like just a vast amount of students that take like Indian classical music. And it's just amazing. Oh, so great. they're all they're all very interested in my curriculum, especially for the older kids. So I was able to be like, hey, also, if you're interested, you can listen to the podcast where I exp- like not not me explain Dr. Strong oh, explains. <laughs> right. right. So but um to get to your question. So I was like everyone sent home two weeks by March, 2020 I was home the whole year. Um, and then I was actually in my building in September for like a day. And then they sent the music teachers home in our district Hmm. because they, they felt, and as I did too, it was important for the kids to see our mouths, our faces. So, right. I mean, I felt awful because there's so many people and music teachers I knew that were in the classroom, hybrid, asynchronous, with the mask, clearly trying to n- figure out what we can't sing, you can't hum. Right. And I'm at home. I was very blessed. I was able to do most of my things singing-wise with the little ones That's on great. Zoom. So I was September to... April 2021, I was home. Okay. And I was one of the only teachers in my school building that was home. So it was really hard for me because, I mean, as much as I was, like, so okay with it, I was starting to get really anxious that, like, well, but every teacher is still seeing kids in person. Maybe they're more advanced than me. They're getting their lessons done. The kids – I mean, I hadn't met some of my kindergartners until, like, three weeks ago as of this year. So I was able to – See, like I had seven virtual classes. I think I had like 27 or 28 total classes. Our school's pretty big. And then so those classes virtually was nice because the kids were home. And the other 20 something with their Mm. little bippity boppity heads in the classroom and just me on the screen. So I'm like, oh, um, who? All right. All right. right, So my so I'm at home. I'm still I'm still with my parents. And my mom was coming into the basement. She was like, is this what you do? Like, are you are you always this like? <laughs> right. And I was like, yep. Like yep. literally, always like, this on. All yeah, and now I'm like trying to teach to like all these heads in the classroom. So with CS, I was, I was like, okay, I need to be creative because mm. I want to keep doing this. And I was so for that month. I guess yeah, from February to March after I did the podcast with you, I basically started over, and I was so I was like, this is so cool. To be mm. able to just like do it, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So I said to myself, "I don't care. I'm gonna do it anyway." So I had you. I had slides, and it was, I mean, I kind of went off the rules because there were times where I had to show the kids sure. the notes. I didn't want to because I know, I what know. Step, step six is wrote mm-hmm. is that's when you st- show step them. Step six is like the first time theoretically they, they're they seeing it. See, right? So. Um but I I was able to just go along the steps and just put for me just put the patterns and everything and I had them do like they had whiteboards. I have them speak it. It was really like an, oh, eight minute, an eight minute thing for um for CS out of you know, and my mind you everyone, I teach general music almost an hour. So wow. and on Zoom they didn't change it. So it was like oh, that's Whoa. brutal. Right. So I ha- I just had to make it part of it. So, um, yeah, I was and and it's funny, the kids, I'm starting it back up a little bit. The kids now are like, oh, yeah, we remember that. We remember that song. There was so many cool YouTube videos of like, yeah, those, there was a like, lot like things like I could do with them and patterns and songs and dances. So, yeah, I I tried to implement as much as I could. All right. And when
0: you think through uh, what we talked about, and that's a long time ago. Did anything from that podcast series really kind of stick with you? Or like what stuck with you, Um, even if you didn't remember it perfectly? What what kind of remained with you after we did that? Structure.
1: I, I okay. mean, I, I, I have to say no matter what, I, I just, I think as like an artist, myself and a performer, my brain, I mean, all of our brains are constantly, we yeah. don't... It's just the love and of our craft that we are just we compartmentalize so many different things. And for me as a teacher, it's like I want my kids to experience all these things, but I can't be a hot mess express on this train going right. nowhere because I have so many. There's so many things. So this program was like structure. So that is what I remembered and was able to just like go with it. Um, and I just think it's you're, you're organized in a musically fun way Um, and then my kids my kids are there because I am like in check with myself Um, and I've always struggled with that processing part of just like music teaching as a whole because there are so many things you can do and it's like oh well should third and fourth grade do this and then but no we all have to have different lessons so I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves so um yeah and I just I have to learn things by doing so Mm. um I I think you know, that was what I really got from where we were and what we had talked about. And like, even for me and, you know, now it's, yeah, I'm, I'm semi forgetting a lot. I actually just lesson planned this afternoon and I'm starting fully again, like from where, which I don't know, we can talk about this because I picked up my papers from June and I'm like, okay, like, I guess I just can, I mean, clearly I don't want to like, squish it on them like maybe I may sure. have to repeat week 6 two times or yeah. week 7 wherever head stopped so that's my um my plan but I feel like it is like riding a bike like mm-hmm. it will come back and even though I haven't done it um long I I do think that just doing it again and the kids I have to we have to be forgiving absolutely
0: here's something I thought tell me what you think about this I thought I would just kind of give like Some kind of overview of conversational soulfish for the people listening who don't use it, for the people who do and forgot, for the people who just took training this summer and need a refresher, for the people who have been using it forever and are like, no, Missy, that's not right. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. You listen. So if I were talking to somebody who didn't know, and then as I say this to you, Taylor, see if what resonates with you. So conversational solfège to me the ultimate purpose of conversational solfège is a framework and here's what I think is best help to help students learn how to learn to be musical at a higher level so in first steps you know what we're doing is we're we're giving them this like kind of musical bath like just experience after experience um, in the way that we hope their parents or their caregivers do at home. Uh, we are singing with them, moving with them, playing with them. You know, we're we're just giving them all these musical experiences so that they become musically independent, so that they can sing, uh, they can move both to steady beat, but also to beat groupings and meter, right? And so that they are being uh, what... Dr. Fireobin calls artful, right? So they're connecting with that magic dimension of music, that thing that's, you know, not tangible uh, in a way that's easy to explain. Then we take these kids and we say, you know, now neurologically they're more able to learn things at a higher level, at a more formal level. So in general music class now, things take on a different look. And so, instead of just the doing part of music, where we're singing and playing and connecting, to that we're adding two things: we're learning something about music, um, and that's the more formalized labels, things like genres, yeah. things like um, instruments of the orchestra. I'm always using the same examples, but you know, right? Like it's just the elements.
1: Right? They are like, right. wow. And that's what that means to get louder. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And the thing is, when you first start doing this, the about part of your lesson should not be that big. That part of the lesson gets bigger the older the kids get. Right. So that by the time they're in high school and then in college, if they study music, you know, that's taking up a pretty significant part um, of their time in a music class. But for my intents and purposes, uh, you know, at the elementary level. We're doing music. We're learning about music, and I want to use something that's going to help the students become what I think of as musically literate, uh, and that encourages them to be musical thinkers. Right. So that it's an intentional thinking that I don't look for when they're in first steps years. Right? In my school, we started around second grade. It might be third grade. Um, it, it just depends on are they musical. So. Conversational solfege gives a structure for that um, that literacy portion to happen. Okay, so as you remember, uh, the way it works is you know there are these manuals, um, and by the way, they're going through the manuals to take out any questionable or offensive uh, literature, which is fantastic. I just heard awesome. about that. It's that work is going on right now as they've done. Uh, with First Steps in Music, so kudos to GIA Publications uh, and Alec Harris for being willing uh, and ready to do that work. So there's a manual, and the manual has, um, there are three manuals really, but it goes in units. So every unit uh, has a musical idea, so it could be um three eighth notes and a dotted quarter note and six eight it could be do and do right. day as we say so quarter note two eighth notes that's unit one it could be mi re do uh that's unit four etc and what happens is you take that unit and you start at the beginning and as you progress through that unit you go through 12 steps So every time you open the book and you get a unit out, you're not done until you get through the 12 steps. Then you go to unit two, you start again, step one through 12, unit three, same thing. And I always want to delineate that because people get confused by that and think, oh, like, do you go through 12 steps as you go over the units? Like, you know, unit one is step, nope, it's 12 steps every time. So Here's the process again. Step one is readiness. I'm just giving you a few pieces that we're going to use um, in this unit um, at a familiar level because you're going to do something with those later. Then we get to this conversational solfege part, which is now we're we're interacting, like we're engaging with these syllables um, at an aural and oral level so that the kids become really, first of all, fluent with them but then they begin to decode them. And it's super easy in the beginning, and of course, more and more challenging as time goes on. The next set is reading. So now it's the first time uh, we are introducing them to the visual uh, representation of the things they have in their inner hearing, right? And so here, these are steps six, six, seven, eight. Yes. Steps six through eight. I always get this one wrong. I'm like, wait, one is the creating and the classical. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So steps six through eight um, are the reading steps. And then the logical last thing is the writing steps. Right. Right. And so we have these things and in them, those 12 steps are embedded. And so in the first group, which is the readiness is the readiness step because it's really just step one students are hearing and then happily engaging with a couple of pieces that will become familiar and we're going to use them later in the conversational solfege steps steps two to five we're going from rote echoing of things to eventually students independently decoding these things you know, in the beginning they're hearing them at a rote level. So if you're just saying do daddy do de do daddy do, they're saying do daddy do de do daddy do. Yeah, they're um, like, okay. Yeah, they're just copying you. And then we move to now decode familiar. So that song we learned in the beginning, I'm gonna ask you to decode it into do's and do dotties, right? Or me, ray, and do. Um and then at step five, which is the end of the conversational soulfish box, now we we're going to ask them to improvise or create something using those things. So now, as hey Taylor, you know we've been using these patterns. Can you create something uh, using do and do dotty? And you can do it as a game. I love a, that. Yeah, that's, that's my when favorite you're like- part. Yes, exactly. They have their whiteboards or they're like doing something, like in the
1: class, like oh
0: and it's easy for them. And what's great is I, I often say that when you get to the reading steps, if you see their if you see a certain amount of kids' face light up, uh, that means you're doing it right because their brain is telling them, Oh, that seems like the visual of what I hear right yep even and though then, they're not yes. they
1: didn't get there yet mm-hmm. it's
0: but yeah. i mean there's and every unit you get through and this is what i was talking about before when i said it's learning how to learn they understand when the visuals come in oh that is the thing we've been hearing right and
1: so it's it like Doctor Strong. Yes. Why did you wait so long? Ms. <laughs> go. Why did you wait so long to tell yes, me that? Exactly. It's
0: so well, funny. it it just happened the other day when we were reviewing, and I put up a card, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to say this for you." One kid's like, "We don't need you to say it for us." And I'm like, "Well, we have new friends, and also I'm trying to see who knows it and who doesn't." Right. So it's been a while. We always say in my class, like, "No spoilers." No spoilers. I'm yeah. glad if you know the code before other people. Um, And then writing is, you know, can you take these thoughts and um, these musical things that are in your brain and can you represent them? Uh, Whether it's straight up, you know, writing on manuscript paper, whether it's showing it with your hands or stepping on a staff on the floor. Um, And and that's to me, you know, the beauty of conversational solfege. And. Also, because I wouldn't, I would be feel bad if I didn't say this, you know, there are five, what we call like the, what I call the big five of conversational solfege. And these are just ideas um, that you take with you throughout the process. And the first one is, you know, a very golden rule in the fire robin world. And that's you always sing for the class and never with the class. And we could talk about that another day. But that's a big one. Another one is when we get to the point where we're asking kids to decode, right? So when I was saying those patterns before, if I say to them, can you hear what this is? Ba 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 right? And I want them to decode that into do-daddy, do daddy, do daddy do dee do right? When we get to the decoding parts, I want them. To practice decoding with
1: patterns first, and then songs and rhymes. Right, and I that, and that's the thing as you even reminded me as well. If they're not ready, like don't move on. Yes, because there are times when you have an exceptional class just going for it, and then I'm like, no, the next time like, you're supposed. So I don't want to. <laughs> right, right. Got to change, but you know what though? I it it's so important, and it's like. That's key to get them to the next part. Yeah, it's
0: it's a tricky balance. Like it what is. we say is like when you have about eighty-five percent of the kids um, who are showing you they're ready, oh, that's yeah. when you move to the next step. Yeah, it's but if totally you have okay. if you have kids who are really struggling, it's much better to go backwards or to stay yeah. there for a little while. Now Do I want to say, and this is an like from Dr. Fire and this is just me. There have been a few times where I've gotten stuck. And actually, the only thing that would help was to move forward. So Makes I, I want to yeah. say that I would say the rule is always go back to remediate. But there there have been, and this is just my experience, there have been some times when my kids got stuck and the thing that would unstick them is to move forward. Right. So And it'll even itself out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So... That's the second thing, develop skill with patterns and then songs. Um, You want to be developing, audiating at every step, inner hearing at every step of the 12 steps. So that means instead of just asking kids, okay, read this, you might want to say to them, I want you to think through this. That's what I say to my kids, think through this pattern. And we do it together with a beat and we're audiating in what we call red light, which means it's silent externally, right? Um, and then have them chant or sing. So we we want to make sure we are building that foundation of inner hearing, right? We want to remember that solo uh, performance is the most powerful way for a kid to learn. So we want to provide solo opportunities, and that could mean something very small. But we want to do that a lot, and we want to remember that Uh, When we're doing this work, we want kids to be able to sing things before we move it to an instrument. So develop, you know, vocal proficiency before you move uh, to playing something on an instrument. So I would say, like, that and the only only other thing, and uh, otherwise this is turning into, like, a webinar. Sorry, everybody. Uh, But uh, I do want people to remember two things. Techniques, which are the games and activities, that's crucial or this becomes a very dry scientific process.
1: It's too yeah, that all that other the it just makes it so absolutely. Like, oh, absolutely. Yes,
0: and then
1: yeah, we were trying to think uh like
0: cuz I was teaching this summer and I was like, you know, what's the best analogy? You know, a lot of times it's like, well, the 12 steps are, you know, the gas in the car that makes the car go and or, but or no, no, excuse me. Andy says, I think it's like I can't, okay, let me start this again. I was trying to kind of redo the car analogy for this. So this is how I think of it. You know, if conversational solfege is a car, um, the gas is the 12 steps. That's what makes it go. But the thing that kind of makes it awesome is how you trick out the car. (laughs) Like, that's how I like to think about it. Like, you know, how you detail what color you're painting it what the tires look like to me, that you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need to play a game in conversational solfege. But if you don't, it's boring. And that's just the truth. And so techniques are crucial. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, And the other thing I completely forgot as I sat there and said it. Oh, I remember. The other thing is... Past, present, and future objectives, which is that thing that sends you over the top for stress until you master it. And all it means is make sure you're reviewing things as you move forward so the kids do not lose that learning. Um, Of course, you're doing your present objectives. That's not a big deal. And make sure you are looking ahead to save yourself time. Okay. So now that we've done all that do, what thoughts do you have when I say these things, if
1: any? Um, honestly, I I also think people, sh- like, get so, like, hooked on. Like, CS is the whole class. Yes. It's not. Very good. Like, I mean, uh, if you see Dr. Strong, like, on her Facebook, everything, she's doing so much more, like, acti- like stick activities and c- culture, like, books, yep. games, everyone, right? So it's like, that is... But and we can combine all those things together, yeah, sure. but it, it doesn't have to be like CS, then like if I did Closet Key and Yankee Doodle, whatever, it has to right. be tied to the same lesson. Absolutely not. Like, right. I had to also be like, oh, okay, I need to just transit, trans, find a transition to then get there or start it with the class, rate. Right? And I also think it's true, like the structure and then putting the game, gain- the techniques in. Like, I know it seems scary when you're looking at the manual because then you're like, okay, wait. So now I have to find a technique. But just, like, pick one and, yep. and do it. <clears throat> excuse me. Because it's just, that's what makes it fun. And those yeah. are the things that I think really, like you said, it details the program. Because I have, I I know, and I know, I've, I've done this, like, less than two years. But I think I was trying to just avoid the techniques because I was sure. nervous. And then, yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm in a science class. And right. then everything is, like... <laughs> here is x equals y not right. like copy and I'm like, these patterns i'm so bored for them what am i doing right so it's like and it's not that i want to be like hey guys this is this bo- it's not boring it's just you have to find the ways to cuz it is yeah. it's a more well, it's all teaching i mean all teaching it is, is like oh, all right i always tell them listen sometimes like the the hard things like you have to work really hard so that it just is more fun and and worth it. But yeah, like you you have to, you have to find those things so that you don't, you know, get super stuck over. over Yeah. And
0: with techniques, as you said, that it it reminded me, um, Andy Heimlich coined this phrase, you know, back pocket techniques. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really crucial for people. And all that means is, and, and we spend a lot of time when I teach this course in this that is go to the technique section, pick, let's just say five, pick five of those games or activities that look interesting to you, yep. flesh them out and start doing them. They become your go-to uh, techniques. Yeah. You so can that do it, it yeah. like that forever. And, and you can, and the kids like it too, because in my class, like if we play Stop Copying Me, um, they could play it every unit and be perfectly happy. And what's nice is my voice likes it because I do not have to explain a brand new game. So Ugh. you find five techniques slash games that you really yeah. like, that your students like, teach it to them the first time, and it saves you so much effort. And it makes it fun because they're like, oh, we're going to play So copy me, or we're going to do walk the plank, yay, yeah. or poison pattern, everybody's favorite. Drives me crazy. Um
1: <laughs> I'm kind of Also, it. the one I got for me was the... When they compete or like you play it. On oh, the like board. Sudden death, death. Sudden Death. Or, yes, or yes. They're like. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> and that was like literally as I was sitting there, I was going to play something else. I was like, you know what? I just got this new doorbell buzzer. Let's use this and play Sudden so Death. good. Which people listening is literally like if I want to have them decode something, just two teams. And then it's like two people come up and they're like, you know, on a line because you got to have a line or they're going to be like, she's. One inch closer than I am. And then you play a pattern and wherever you are in the 12 steps, let's say they're supposed to decode. Um, when you're done, they run and push the buzzer. And then it, whoever pushed the buzzer first gets to attempt to decode it. And if they do it right, they get a point. It could oh. not be more simple. And they right. would Just play that. Just pick techniques. They would play it every time. Yeah. So yes, pick those back pocket techniques uh, to make it fun. Uh, and those things so you know kind of understanding the function of conversational solfege and Taylor like you said remembering it's just one part of your lesson and you have a whole rest of your lesson to do awesome stuff also Um, remembering that it's 12 steps to to process this small musical idea and interact with it over and over again until you're very fluent with it now we're going to move on to a new one we're going to Keep that old one, and eventually we're going to attach it so we're, we have more and more material with which to work. Thinking of the four categories, readiness, conversational solfege, reading, and writing. Uh, one thing I didn't say now is the idea that we kind of keep going through this process of doing something by rote, just copying it. Then we decode something that's familiar. Then we decode something that's unfamiliar. Then we create or improvise with that thing. And that is at the heart, to me, of the 12-step process. Um, So you have that, and then you have the techniques, which are the way to trick out your car and make it awesome and make it your own, Uh, and the remembrance of past, present, and future. Or, to continue my driving analogy, as I'm about to do for the first time, I'm improvising, by the way. I'm looking in the back. This is like, you know why I'm thinking about this? Because I am now working on my third teenager learning to drive. You need to be able to find know, yes. look behind you while you're also aware of what's happening right where you are and look into the forward part for the future. When you think about all those things, conversational solfege be- begins to kind of chug along for you. You could still get stuck a little bit and people i get it are like okay how long do you do it for and how many times do you do every step and that those things are tricky but you have to take a class to really learn that because that you just can't answer it like the question i get so much why don't you just write you know a curriculum that's like here's three years of conversational solfege lessons you can't because it all depends on the kids sitting in front of you um, and to touch on that point, Taylor, as we end, uh, I'm, I don't mean like as we end the second, but as we come to the end of our uh, episode, you asked, uh, you mentioned something that's really important, and that's what do I do in the beginning of the year, right? So um, especially in the pandemic years, but I don't think in that way, it's not that much different than a regular year. It's kind of like, what do I do? What right. do I do? And uh, what I want to tell you is, Let's say you got let's say you were in unit one and you got to the end and you were able to let's pretend start unit two and you got to let's say you got through step five. So kids were creating Mm -hmm. um, using do and do daddy and they were doing pretty well. Now you're in September You know, they've forgotten 40% of everything. So here's how I approach the beginning of the year. First of all, I have a very first step centric first month of instruction. So I do almost no conversational soulfish in any grade level. Almost none. Um, Or none.
1: But that (laughs) Uh, makes sense. Yeah.
0: Well, it's just, first of all, I want it to be super duper fun right off the bat uh we are setting I don't take a ton of time to set expectations. I do that more over time right. rather than okay, it's my first lesson now I'm gonna talk about my rules yeah. um but I want them just having so much fun playing games, doing rhymes, singing songs, Get it in there. uh yeah and that, and just building that momentum and, it, dual purpose number one I'm getting to see this like new group of kids together in different classes now right redistributed and like which class is like rising to the top as like very musical which class might be struggling um, it gives me that that overhead you know like look down to see okay what do we got here uh, and but more importantly I'm reminding their brains of what it means you know, to be musical. Uh, And then if you have new kids, they kind of see what the deal is. And then I start. So in that analogy I gave you, if I was in unit two, first of all, when I start in earnest with conversational solfege, I'm actually going to go backwards to unit one. And I'm going to probably like, depending on how good they are, I might just show them some patterns or a song and i might want that song to be a game right and right it's just like oh hey everyone uh um, remember this do you remember this let's just try our best can you, first of all you could take them through it a little bit i i've never had a class who hasn't there haven't been a fair amount of kids who are like oh yeah all you have to do is remind them you know, right. maybe and they I'm don't like, remember doodaddy. They might just be like, dooday,
1: doodaddy. Yeah, like, oh, well, how yeah. about that? So I say, well, how e- about I just read one? the, f-
0: yeah, I might read the first thing and say, do doodaddy. And they're like, oh, sorry, that's not the right, that's not the right unit, but you know what I mean. Then they say, oh, yeah, 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 that happened last week. I said something and they're like, oh, yes, I because I held up the cards and they're literally were like, I've never seen that before. <laughs> Wait, like, yeah. they, well, I mean, they're just no, like, I, you know, it's like, who remembers this? Uh, nope. Doesn't look familiar. You know, and yeah, I'm like, Yeah, but really? then when you do it, they're yeah. like, oh. I start saying, they're like, oh, we knew that. Um, so, so I'm going to go backwards just a little bit. Maybe I'm going to so go smart. into step seven, which is decode familiar by reading, right? Right. Um, and then.
1: Right, to then get them.
0: Yeah, and, but here's the thing. Here's the next part. I'm going to see how they respond. If they're like, uh, we already know how to do this. We're super good at it. Then I could blast through a review, Uh, not even not a review, but just like, okay, well then decode this. Okay, well then can you write this? You know, I could do it in one class. I could do it in two classes. If they're like, eh, then I might say, okay, I better go back a step, right? And just do a little rote with them. Step six, let me say this for you. Let me do this for you. Um, and then I'm just going to go from there. That's how I approach Thank it. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I, oh I man, amazing. <laughs> Less pressure because you're right. You have, especially like in the pandemic years. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're, you have to, you just want them to have fun. And it's okay yes. to not start until October I, or whatever. I mean, if, and- if last year taught us nothing,
0: it's like, it's going to be okay. You just, yeah. let's get through this. We are working on surviving. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll build back to thriving. But we're I'm okay so. if we don't. Yeah. Or if there's some days. In this past week, I had days, no joke, I had two days that were terrible. I was just, like, exhausted. I hate everything. <laughs> you know, nothing's know. going the way I want it to. But I had this one day where I was sailing. I was just, like, This is, I love teaching. It's the best. So what I've learned is I don't judge things on those feelings. I'm just keep going forward. If I stink today, hopefully tomorrow I'm better. And another day I'm going to be awesome. And another day I'm going to be meh. You know, and all of those things are okay. What's not okay is to be continuously terrible. (laughs) Hopefully we're not there. Um, No, but
1: we carry so much emotion and singing and this and this and music. It's so like, yeah, it's really a big part of us. So if we're having a day, it may not be, you know,
0: (laughs) and I I think like what I've learned as I get old is if I have a bad day, that does not define me. And that's a huge thing to learn in life. It means I had a bad day. And it's okay. Yeah. And what I was saying is, like, if I have 42 bad days, I need to reevaluate something. Either I'm not doing something right or I need a new job or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But having a bad day, having a bad week, that's normal. And it's okay to have that. And so with conversational soulfish, it's the same thing. I believe it's a fantastic program uh, that that really helps students, not just like, oh, it helps them learn music notes. It's so much more than that, because that's not the most important thing. It helps them to think musically and develop their inner ear. And so anything I do is helping them get better at that. That's kind of how I tend to think. Now, I know there might be people out there who are horrified, who are like, Everything must be excellent at all times. And to those people I say, what is wrong with you? No, I'm kidding. I say (laughs) (laughs) congratulations to you. I am not that person. I am trying to live and be happy and love my family and my friends and my job without going over the edge. So conversational solfege, all things in moderation. Try your best. Forgive yourself quickly. Move forward and try again. And so... I wish that for you with conversational soulfish. With me, I haven't really done conversational solfege at all. It's the longest time ever since I started. I, yeah, I was curious about yeah. that too. Like. No, I did almost nothing. Because Last I was like year. I, Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I couldn't sing. I couldn't do anything. Right. And so I cut myself that break and said, it's okay. It's okay. But now this year, what I've told myself is if I ever start freaking out, like which I haven't, but like let's say I started thinking like Oh my gosh, like, what if this, what if that, what I've said to myself, it doesn't matter. If you had to start everybody at unit one, it's fine. If you don't do it with second grade, it's fine. It's okay. Right. Is it the best and optimal? No, but that's all right. That's okay. Uh, so I hope you have a really fantastic year. Um, Thanks. You I'm going to be all of us. checking in. To see how
1: it's going. Definitely. So my head's not under the water. I'm I'm here with a life raft to pull you out. You've done so much for this community. So we are just very grateful. Oh, well. Really? Okay. Thank you.
0: (laughs) All the love. (laughs) Not good at accepting those compliments. Um, (laughs) Yes. Thank you. See how I'm practicing? You're welcome. Thank you you for that compliment. I just said that to Lorelai. She was going oh. to the orchestra rehearsal and she was like terrified. I'm like, I'm proud of you. You are oh. amazing. And she's like, she's, like <gasps> yeah, and yeah, yeah. Thank
1: you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway. All right. All well thank you. You're so and welcome. Thank, thank you. you for being on again, Taylor. Anytime. I appreciate it. So much fun. I really appreciate you, Taylor, for being willing to be vulnerable again with us and share the struggles you've had over the past year trying to get CS going with your kids as well as the successes you've had, and I know you will continue to have. We'll keep in touch with Taylor and catch up with her next year to see what progress she and her students make. I'd like to share again about the Buy Me a Coffee site, which is a place where you can help support the work of this podcast. You can make a small donation, or you can even become a member at what I call the Earl Gray or Afternoon Tea levels. In addition to supporting the podcast, when you become a member of either one of those, you will also get other benefits and fun stuff too, like graphics I've created for my classroom that I share, the huge Move Along with Dr. Strong cards that I'm going to be sharing very soon, and something like the following shout-outs I'm about to do for our latest batch of new members. First, from the afternoon tea level, we have Elena F., Aaron L., Susan H., and Lindsay C. And these new Earl Grey members, Tina A., Heidi S., Kirsten M., Stephanie K., Megan B., Andrea N., Allie G., Mary B., and Anna P., I truly am so thankful to each one of you for joining and for your encouragement. I appreciate it so much. If you're interested in finding out more about how you can do this and support the work of the podcast, please check it out at buymeacoffee.com slash Strong, Or you can head to Teachers Pay Teachers for the Music Ed with Missy store. For questions about the podcast, write to DocStrong26 at Gmail or reach out to Music Ed with Missy on Facebook or Instagram or on Twitter at DocStrong26. The podcast music was composed and performed by Jeremy and Owen Strong. Jeremy also serves as the audio engineer and editor for the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen. As always, this is the best way for us to get the word out. As always, I would like to thank you for spending time with me. I know for sure that you are busy and life demands so much from you, especially right now. I hope it was worthwhile and that you are motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time. But until I do, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, joyful, thoughtful, just world for your students, families, and community.